0: Daily with Jason Mertidis.
1: All right, here it is, your March 24th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertidis. It is Hump Day, Wednesday, and for the first time this season, the Flyers are coming off three straight losses and back to back losses at home in back to back days. And once again, they dug the hole just a little too deep. Yes, a valiant effort to come back in the third period on your fifth game in seven days, but at some point, the lesson learned of not digging the hole has to resonate. It has to resonate. We're going to hear from Elaine Vigneault and his comments after the game, and we'll also hear from Sean Couturier and Carter Hart, who did a joint availability after the game. And uh, one of the things Elaine Vigneault mentions is that he didn't think his team had energy in the beginning of the game, and basically they weren't ready to play, and they weren't ready to match the intensity, speed, and everything else of the New Jersey Devils. And it certainly looked like that. That's an absolutely valid observation. Uh, The thing that we're all wondering is when desperation kicks in. And I guess it's easier for us as observers, fans, media, whatever, to look at it and wonder about that without having to go through the physical play of it. Five games in seven days is a lot of hockey. It's not an excuse, though. There's other teams going through the same things all over the NHL. And sometimes desperation has to win out over exhaustion. And the team right now should be desperate. Elaine Vigno mentioned it, you know, that he thinks, you know, his guys, they want to win. They want to do the right things. Things aren't going well right now, and that's not happening. And you'll hear Sean Couturier mention it. Just way too many costly turnovers, not protecting the puck. And it was the same, same old story for the Flyers against the Devils. Now, the Devils are not an elite team in the NHL. They're not anywhere near the the same caliber as the New York Islanders who the Flyers lost in overtime the night before. Played a much better game against the Islanders, but they're still an NHL team and they have some talent and they have some good speed, but you can't take any opponent lightly when you're in the position that they have put themselves in. And again, last night was an opportunity. I talked about this last week when they were the only game on the schedule for an evening out of the teams in the East Division. And that was the case last night. Two teams in the East Division were playing last night. That was the Flyers, and the Devils, and if you could get two points, prevent your opposition from getting two points, then you were the only team that was making progress in the standings. Well, that was the case last night, and they didn't get the two points, and they lost to a team uh, with an inferior record below them in the standings. So things right now, uh, they're, they're not getting better. Uh, they're still erratic. Just when you think that, hey, here's something maybe they could build off of, we see the one step forward and two steps back. And there's no consistency. They haven't won back-to-back games in the month. They've now lost three straight. They're still two points back of the Boston Bruins, but now the Bruins have two games in hand while they sit out on COVID protocol pause. You're in the second half of the season at this point as well, and you're running out of runway. I'm not suggesting that, oh, it's over. They're not going to make it. If they were to turn things around and start winning, they absolutely could because you're playing those teams as well. But the way they're playing and – it's now at an alarming level of how long it's been going on. So that that begs the question, right? The question then becomes, is this what they are? That's the big question. Is this what this 2020-2021 Philadelphia Flyers team is? Is it what we've seen in the month of March? It is not the team we saw last year. We know that. So let's eliminate that right now. No team is the same year to year. There, even though there was very little turnover – it's very rare where a team is year-to-year year the same. There's always different dynamics. Players are aging up. Some are getting better. Some are declining. Some remain the same. Some have little steps. Some just have bad luck. Some have good luck. That's the way it works in athletics. So question is, is is this what the Flyers team is this year, this inconsistent team that is not good enough defensively, not just from the, the defense men, the defenseman, but also defensively as the five-man unit, is the goaltending not going to be able to regain its confidence for a litany of reasons. Number one is that the environment that they've been placed into this year has not been good. You look at the game last night, the four goals that the New York Islanders scored, I know people are going to go, oh, here he goes again, defending Carter Hart. Okay, you find me one of those goals last night that they shouldn't have scored. <laughs> I mean, really. I've pulled all four clips and looked at them ad nauseum. I've consulted with uh, NHL goaltenders and uh, goaltending coaches that have no affiliation with the Flyers at all whatsoever. I'm going, just tell me what you see here. And th- again, as I've termed it, the breakdowns are extraordinary. They're not just little breakdowns. I mean, you look at the Palmari goal in the first period with six seconds left, he's left wide open on the left side there's no one there the 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 they're on the PK but they're all redundantly on one side of the ice consuming the same area and as soon as that puck squirts across it's an east-west one-timer and look you can make that save on occasion and you will but that's a really really difficult one that's a high danger chance if you, if a goalie makes that save that is what is considered a GSAA a goal saved above expectation so Okay, so that's one of the goals. The first one is that the mini breakaway from a cloud after the two-on-one. Phil Myers is way too close to the boards on that play. He gives the inside of the ice. You, you want to play inside the dots and give the opposition the outside. Force everything to the outside. String them out outside. Don't let them into the middle of the ice. Myers was right against the boards, and he was able to jump into the middle of the ice. Now you have a two-on-one down low. Uh, and McLeod gets behind the flyer defense and goes in on a three-quarter breakaway inside the zone. Carter Hart's not able to get that one. That's a bang-bang breakaway, too. That's a tough save. Does, can he make that save sometimes? Absolutely. Not when things aren't going well. But again, that's considered a grade-A high-end scoring chance. And then the third goal you look at for the New Jersey Devils, that's a play from below the goal line on a, to an unmarked player one-time shot goal. And then the fourth one, Again, Devils player, this time it's Zajac, inside position on a Flyers defenseman, shielding him with his button backside, stick right in the middle of the top of the crease, perfect pass across, redirect goal. Those are all high-danger goals. Um, So Hart in the game, he did not give up a goal in the game where you go, he's got to make that save. There was none of that. So that's a positive. If you want to take a positive, I'm, I'm really reaching for positives right now, but you have this confluence of events, right? Where you have such extravagant defensive breakdowns and they're happening in front of a goaltender. That's, that's not walking tall. That's not feeling confident, feeling big. And then the two start to feed each other. One feeds the other. The breakdown ends up in the back of your net. You're going to have D breakdowns in games and, and sometimes you got to get a save that's not happening. They're deflating to each other. So it becomes a cannibalization of the ability to win a hockey game. When when the confluence of those two things meeting each other, that's what it does. It, it, and it almost spurs, one spurs the other. So it's, it's a really difficult situation right now. And Elaine uh, Vigneault, and you'll hear him in just a moment, talk about having answers. And he's, you know, he's the coach. And he says, hey, I'm the coach. I got to come up with answers. It's my job to come up with answers. He gets asked about, you know, does this team need an acquisition? And, and he's steadfast. That's not my job. His job's not to make trades. His job is to coach what the what they have and, and to get the most out of them. And he's got to find answers and chemistry. Uh, now, Chuck Fletcher is going to speak this afternoon. He's going to have a media availability at 1 o'clock today. I'm sure you'll see some of the quotes tweeted out. You'll hear him on this podcast tomorrow, and we'll, we'll talk to the general manager. And there's some really difficult questions to ask. And look, a lot of times when you, you hear from coaches and you hear from players, and we'll get to more on this in a second, but um, you're not going to get them throwing players under the bus. You just That's not going to happen. But there's some difficult questions that Chuck needs to answer to, to try and figure out how to move this team forward. And they're not going to be softballs from the media in his session tomorrow. So that'll be very interesting to see, and and you know how Chuck responds, and and what his we're not going to find out what his true plan is. We're not going to find out if he's talked to the Predators about Ekholm, or if he's talked to uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets about David Savard, or anything else. No GM's going to tip their hand, uh, but it's he did this last year too, so it's not uncommon for him to address the media around the midway point of the season and end it in advance of the trade deadline. Um, But I'm sure you're going to hear about the fact that, hey, there are expansion draft ramifications and there are flat cap salary cap ramifications, but we'll see what he has to say tomorrow. It'll be very interesting, but let's get to uh, head coach Elaine Vigneault right now. He addressed the media after the game. He did not like the team's energy from the jump, and here's what he had to say. After a real strong performance in a loss on Monday, how uh, bewildered were you by the uh, play in the first period tonight?
0: Yeah, I mean... We didn't look like we had a a lot of jump, uh, obviously, at the, at the start of that game. And, and their speed and skill level showed. Um, but it uh, didn't seem like we had a, a, lot, a lot in the tank there. We had a push at the end there, but didn't seem like we had a lot there. You've tried so many different things, combinations, tactics, motivations. And yet it seems every game we ask the same questions about, Bad decisions, turnovers, failed execution. Do you almost feel like you're running out of answers at this point? Not at all. I mean, it's my job to, you know, to, to work with uh, these players. They're good players. Uh, they care. That they want to win. Obviously, we've got a consistency uh, issue at this time, and it's my job uh, to find the the the, the right. Buttons to push, and that's what I'm going to continue to do. Obviously, I haven't found that yet, uh, but I'm going to continue to work. And, uh, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, these guys had uh, the best intentions, but it seemed early on that we didn't have a lot in the tank.
1: Obviously, in a few weeks, the the trade deadline's coming up. Do you think an outside acquisition could spark this team?
0: I'm not at all concerned at at this moment about uh, the trade deadline, or acquisitions, Uh, it's my job to get these players to play up to their full potential. Uh, What we have to do right now is uh, uh, re-energized, refocused. We've got to more to do that and then get ready for our next game and that's what we're gonna do.
2: Uh, After the game on Thursday, that third period, the Islanders scored three goals that looked like it carried into Saturday's game. Last night, the Islanders had a good third period and a good overtime, and it looked like it carried into tonight's first period. What, is, is there just something that clicks when you guys have a bad period and the game? It just doesn't translate into resetting immediately?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, that third period against the Islanders, I mean, they had three scoring chances. Their first one uh, ended up in, in the back of our net. Um, we played a good game. We only gave up, you know, like I had said, seven, uh, seven scoring chances, five on five in that whole game. Tonight, for, uh, you know, we, we talked to our players about the consistency. Um, we just, just didn't seem to have a lot in the tank uh, right from the hop. We had that push there at the end, uh, but obviously it wasn't good enough.
1: Elaine Vigneault, uh, after the Flyers' third straight loss, 4-3 was the loss against the New Jersey Devils. Let's get to some more sound from right after the game. Sean Couturier and Carter Hart uh, did a joint availability, and here's that. Yeah, I guess it's for uh, for both of you. You, you came off a, a strong performance Monday, and and then came out flat in the, in the first period. We were surprised by that.
2: I don't know. I mean, we we knew they were uh, they come out strong. They are a fast team, and you know they came out hard. We didn't give we didn't get much uh, in the first. Um, but it is what it is. I thought we we grinded it, uh, and then you know they uh, they got a few chances in the second. They capitalized, and then we're chasing a game and. We battle, but I think we gotta we gotta, we gotta be a little smarter with uh, with the puck. Yeah, this is for Sean. Um, why do you think it's been such a struggle over this last month to string together multiple good games in a row? Obviously, you guys are happy with how you performed yesterday. I don't know. I think I think we have you know it's 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 a tough league. Any any night uh, is is a grind, and we, we gotta bring our A game. Uh, you know, it feels like sometimes we have. Uh, a few guys off and it just makes it tougher on us um you know i think we as a as a team we got to be a little more consistent um work smarter i think i think we're you know we're working hard we're, we're trying out there we everyone wants to win here uh we just got to be a little smarter and maybe a little more responsible but you know we'll uh, we'll find a way to to get the results we want here
0: yeah this question's also for sean um i, I asked this to av it seems like you guys have tried so many different. Combinations and different tactics, and yet at the end of these games, we're asking you guys the same questions about bad decisions, failed executions. Do you almost feel like you guys are running out of answers at this point?
2: No, I think it's just making the play that's that's ahead of us. Uh, I, I feel we're not we're not doing that right now. We're we're giving up too many pucks, too many quality chances that you know we we give up. We we literally give it to them. Um, I think we just gotta be smarter with the puck and without it also, be be in better position. And uh yeah, I think it's just little things. Um we gotta all all uh, twenty three guys, all all the whole team needs to bury down and, and you know, grind it out and uh by, by by doing those little things we'll get back on the on the winning side of things. Uh, this is just for Carter. Uh, Carter, uh, this season you guys are around the uh, second most goals per game in the league. Last year, obviously, you guys were a pretty good goal prevention team. Just, what do you think's been the biggest difference? I don't think we're playing a, hard, a full sixty right now, and um, I mean, we can't just show up for the last ten minutes of the third and expect to win a game. So it's it's hard, uh, and we always say play a full sixty, but we really need to bring it and really compete hard and and find a way. Sean, A.V. just mentioned that you guys look like you had a little bit of out of the tank there, and you guys just finished a five-game stretch in seven days. Did you guys feel like that was just the ending there? It just came to an end there? You guys were just a little bit tired, or was it just the same thing you guys keep saying about it? everybody's on the same schedule, It's just no excuses anymore? Yeah, there shouldn't be any excuses. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's fatigue, or, but I feel we're doing, like I said, a lot of... Mental mistakes. We're giving up pucks uh, pretty easily and giving up quality chances that are costing us. Um it seems uh seems to make it easy on our on our opponents when we do that. And you know, we gotta bury down and make some better decisions. Um and just bury down. I think altogether we gotta we gotta find a way to, you know, make it tough on opponents and, and when we have
1: the puck and when, when we control the game we're a pretty tough team to play against. Sean Couturier really pointed comments, I thought, talking about, you know, guys needing to bear down. And everybody's tired. Everybody's playing a lot of games. It is what it is, but you gotta make the right plays. You gotta protect the puck. You gotta play smarter. And they're not doing that right now. And this team right now is 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 obviously struggling well beyond what any of us thought was possible this season when the season started. And I I got this tweet from AJ Yates. He tweeted in and we'll take some Twitter questions in the next couple of days. I haven't done it in the last two, but I'm just kind of observing some things on my Twitter timeline. And AJ said uh, at a Yates 18, he said at Jason Mert, he says, why does no one on this team from the coach down seem to have any sense of urgency? He said, not asking them to openly panic, but the same cliche lines every night are growing stale. Always seems like it's just business as usual to them. "Quote, trending in the right direction." End quote. Uh, Well, AJ, that's something you very rarely show publicly. Here is what I know: is I don't think they're panicking, but there is urgency behind the scenes. I think they all want to do well. I know they do. They're all competitors, but they're not going to show that urgency, urgency publicly and openly, and. Look, when when coaches, when players, when general managers speak, you get you get some information, but you don't get it all. That's sports. That's just part of the deal. You're not going to get the unfettered truth serum version on player X if they're asked about him. Hey, Chuck, a uh, uh, player X on your team has really struggled this year. What do you think about the way he's played? Well, the answer is going to be well, you know, we brought him in. We think he can contribute. Yeah, he might need to be better, but uh, we know he can do it, and he just needs to bear down. That's about as as critical as they'll get. He's not going to say, "Man, is he stunk this year?" I don't know why I signed this guy or traded for this guy. Uh, he doesn't even belong in the league, like like a fan would think. That's not what's going to happen. Um, but they're not going to to panic publicly. I don't think there's panic behind the scenes, but I do I do know that there is urgency. And there's a lot of seriousness going on and a lot of preparation and a lot of tape getting looked at and analyzing everything and trying to find answers. That's what it is. Now, you can look for the answers all you want with what you have. Sometimes it it is up to the general manager to go, okay, the answer's not here. I think a lot of us feel that way right now defensively, that the answer is not here. The coaching staffs tried about everything under the sun. And we're making the assumption that the coaching staff, and rightfully so, is giving the proper instruction on strategy and and everything else and what to do, but it's not happening. So you go, okay, if that's the case, because I don't think the coaching staff forgot how to coach in three months from the bubble until the season started. If that's the case, then it's a personnel issue. And if we're kind of out of options here, then the only way to change it would be to change a player make it make a, an acquisition make a deal change the dynamic change the skill sets upgrade all those things right and we'll see if that happens trade deadline's coming but look I don't we said this yesterday on the on the show I don't know that they can wait until April 12th it may be too late you don't have until April 12th but the other GM knows that too so that that costs you a little leverage this team's playing every other day. They haven't won back-to-back games in the month of March. They're 3-7-1. and They're taking on water right now way too quickly. And they're, they're taking on just huge, huge trash cans full of water, but they're trying to get it out of the boat with a spoon. And it's why they're in the position that they're in. I know that there hasn't been a lot of trades around the NHL, you got to find a way to improve your team. It, but the question is, again, for Chuck Fletcher tomorrow, and I don't know that we'll get an answer to this, but I'd love to know it, and I'll ask him, is it about making your team better this year to make the playoffs if you make a deal? Or does any deal you make about making your team better this year and beyond for multiple years? Because with the expansion drift, that's part of the equation. A rental, whatever you give up in a rental, could be gone. Right? Is it about something that's got a little bit more term? And we've seen some reports that you know there was a lot of reports that the Flyers were in on uh, Matthias Eckholm, but now there's reports that maybe Matthias Eckholm's not the target because he's only got one year left. That the actual target with the Nashville Predators, who have scouted Flyers or scouted Phantoms games pretty regularly of late in person. Maybe the target is actually Ryan Ellis, who has six years on his contract after this year. He signed an eight-year, $50 million deal, and he's in year two of that contract, and it's a $6.25 million cap hit, right-handed, right-shot defenseman, can play top pairing minutes. When we say Matias Hetcom is a fit, I say he's a fit, but he's not a perfect fit because he's a left shot, and he's got a contract with only one more year of control. When I say Ryan Ellis is a fit, I mean Ryan Ellis is a fit for the next four to six years. That's the fit. So is that, look, you're not going to shake Ryan Ellis from David Poyle and the National Predators for, you know, a a prospect and a draft pick. You're going to have to go deeper. They're giving up a a big piece. You're getting a top pair, right shot, unicorn defenseman. So you're going to have to give up a lot. But to my point has always been, if you don't have a top pair, then you're playing with one arm behind your back already. And you need that. And if you had that top pair and and Ryan Ellis and Ivan Provorov together, I can check that box. I'll go, okay. The other boxes I need to check are a lot easier to check when I know I have that one checked. Not only that, but the trickle-down effect on the other pairs defensively. Not only that, but because of that trickle-down effect on the other pairs defensively and solving the top pair problem, that all of a sudden changes the environment for my 22-year-old goaltender And Brian Elliott. It makes their lives easier. Here's a good comparison. When I try and explain the environment for a goaltender thing, some people are kind of like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, every team gets shots on goal. Some teams score, some don't. Like, it's no, no. Doug Waite was the head coach of the New York Islanders a few years ago. Doug Waite. And his system was kind of high flying. And there wasn't a lot of defensive responsibilities. They gave up a lot of odd man rushes. They took risk offensively. So they go through the 82-game season. He ended up getting fired. I'm not sure the exact number of goals that they gave up that year. But then 2018 comes. The Caps win the Cup. Barry Trotz leaves Washington and takes that job immediately with the New York Islanders. So in his first year with the Islanders, he shaved 100 goals. In 82 games. More than a goal a game. So if they gave up 300 the year before, the next year they gave up 200. Okay? And in that year, by the way, the year that Doug Waite was there, Thomas Grice was one of their goaltenders and Yarrow Halak. And I think that Halak was around 29th in the NHL in advanced goalie metrics and, and save percentage and all those things. And... Grice, I think, was about 45. There's only 31 teams. He was like 45th in the NHL. That next year, those two players won the Jennings as the top goaltending duo in the National Hockey League because they went from not being able to stop a beach ball to the layman. People go, well, these guys stink. They can't make saves. Well, the environment was bad. Two-on-ones, odd man rushes, players in high-danger areas. The next year, same two goalies, same two guys, A year older, in the structure of Barry Trott's system, they shaved 100 goals for the season in 82 games. More than a goal less per game. They went from the 31st team in goals allowed to the number one team in least goals allowed because of structure and sound defensive play. That's what I mean. So when you look at how many goals a goalie gives up, you have to consider in what structure, what environment that is happening. Just something to think about. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. Everybody, thanks for listening. I know it's a, I know it's a frustrating time. I really do. And I'm at the end of my rope right now as well. I just want, it's like, it, this is almost like the pandemic. Not to be insensitive, but it's like, when is this going to be over? Right? When are they just going to come? When will the alien ship return and just bring the Flyers back that we thought we had this year. Because we didn't expect this. And when you expect more and you're not getting it, it hurts. It sucks. You were expecting to be entertained, get enjoyment. And it's been hard to get enjoyment based on, on results and based on the way it's all kind of broken down this year. And, like, we already live in a world where your, any hope you have can be sucked out of you at the drop of a dime. We just don't want that to happen. But I think that's how we feel it, it is happening right now when it comes to this hockey team. And, I, like, I see people almost resigning the, themselves to the fact that this team ain't got it. You know, we and, and then they go to varying degrees. Fire the coaches. GM should be fired. Do this. Do that. Trade this guy some changes likely in order, what kind of change? Is it big change? Is it little change? I mean, I think it need, there's something significant that needs to be done to help the defensive pairing. But I also think it needs to be something that goes beyond this year because one move does not fix this whole thing. So I can't just make one significant a- acquisition that I only i am going to get out you know, something out of that player for this year. I'd like to get a player that I can solve the problem for multiple years. They had one year Matt Niskanen. Could have used three more. He decided to retire. Nothing you can do about that. What you can do now, though, is go, "Remember, remember what we were like from a defensive standpoint with Matt Niskanen? Let's go find Matt Niskanen, but a younger version of him that we can keep for a longer period of time. And, yeah, you know what? It might cost a little bit. And it might make us uncomfortable in how much it costs. And we're going to give up a good player and some organizational equity. But we're going to solve that enormously important problem in the process. And that's what we're going to get out of it. That's what needs to happen. That, that's my opinion. But what do I know? I'm a beaten down man right now. But hopefully, they'll be back at it on Thursday. Coming up tomorrow against the New York Rangers, who all of a sudden, the Rangers nip in the Flyers' rear end. Like a little tiny uh, Chihuahua biting your butt. Two points back. Got to get a win over the Rangers. The last time you played them, a week ago today, you lost nine to nothing. Need some wins. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for dealing with my rambling and stream of conscious venting slash. Analysis, whatever you want to call it. But uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Chuck Fletcher will join us on this podcast tomorrow, so you'll get to hear the GM. And I promise I'll ask him some very poignant questions. We'll get some answers, and we'll break it all down. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on tomorrow's Flyers Daily.